You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? You are listening to episode 112 of the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yun, and joining me to talk about all the good pop is through our days. We have professional, the most professional, culture editor, Han Wen. Hey. Hey, Han. How you doing? Oh, boy. Um, since we took a whole hour before we, uh, after we were supposed to record for me to complain about work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it the job is still not bad. I just like have some like I need to take care of myself and just not get <laughs> caught up in drama. That and is all the stuff. Yeah. That is life as an adult is just dealing with um especially once you become like responsible. Um yeah. it's just dealing with other people's bullshit all the time. But um yeah, yeah I mean, we started this podcast at the beginning of the pandemic just because we just wanted to hang out and this was an excuse for us too. And, you know, now 112 episodes later, we're still here. So, you know. It's honestly been the thing that got me through the pandemic. <laughs> so the the fact that people are actually listening is amazing to me. That is so, wild. So, yeah. 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 They, maybe we're getting them through the pandemic. Who knows? Maybe. Um, <laughs> on this episode, we're talking about Ms. Marvel, the latest MCU Disney Plus television series um, that just finished um, this week. I'm excited to get into that with you, Han. But before we get there. Let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through the week. So, Han, what's popping? Uh, well, for those of you who might have listened last year, um, I talked about a little reality show called F-Boy Island. Can't believe it's back. I have to say, yes, it is now back. <laughs> and um, what can I say about it? it? It will have premiered by the time you listen to this. But, you know, I, it premieres with three episodes. So I'm going to assume you haven't watched them all yet um so i'm not going to really spoil it for you but i will give a few hints about what to expect um nikki glazer is still the host still killing it still calling out the things that you see (laughs) uh making fun of the guys for their bullshit and their jackassery um it's three women who are the main contestants uh let's see their names tamaris she has pink hair but she's puerto rican uh there is mia and then there is oh my god who's the blonde uh louise despite her name she's not an old lady um hey but (laughs) that's offensive to louise's everywhere (laughs) also louise on bob's burgers so yes you're right (laughs) uh just kind of like when they make a joke um uh, this is not a spoiler, but on Only Murders in the Building, they kind of make a joke that Mabel's name is old, old person. Oh, kind of like that. I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so those three are the women. And of course, they are choosing from 26 guys on an island. They're all buff and they have to figure out, are they there to find love, which would make them a nice guy, supposedly? And or are they there to fool everyone, get to the end and steal all their money, the prize money? And that would make them an F boy. So um, in real life, the way they define themselves is an F boy doesn't want commitment. They just want to, like, have their sex or whatever and then, like, not be in a relationship. There's nothing wrong as long as I think everyone's up front. But I think that is that is the the crux of this experiment, which is a not not a lot of dating is very clear that way. There's a lot of mixed signals, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, also just the inherent setup, which is are you here for the money or are you here for actually love? Which if you are, why are you on this show? But that's neither here nor there. Um Yeah. Remind me, how did last season turn out? Like <laughs> I don't know if you even watched the end, but what I will tell you is in the end last season, I'm trying to remember every single one of them. So the deal is if you pick a nice guy, then you automatically split the money with the nice guy. So the pot is 100K, then you each get 50K. If you pick an F boy, he gets control. He decides if he wants to split the money with you. Or if he wants to take it all himself. So that's actually what happened is someone. And here's the thing. Before the end of the finale, they actually learn which one came in as an F-boy or a nice guy. And so they go in eyes wide 
open. Wait, do they learn before they make they, the final they, decision? Yeah, they learned the episode before. So now they're like, well, is this F-boy a reformed F-boy? That's what they say. Because like a lot of them will just be like, you're right. I came in being an F-boy because I've been so hurt. I've been so damaged. But now I, I, I believe in you. There's something special with you. You changed my mind. I'm here for love. And so some people get fooled by that. And that's what happened um, last season where she picked the ultimate F-boy because in the camera interviews, a lot of these F-boys don't let on. So even the audience is not knowing. But this one let on from the very beginning. And so you're just like the whole way like, no, don't pick Garrett. Did she think that she could change him or said that she changed him? Or yes, was he just believed- so hot that he was, she was like... I mean, look, she thought he was hot. I don't think he's hot. Um, but she was definitely also just, she was fooled. Um, he was doing the whole thing and uh, giving her the good relationship sort of vibes. And she, he had her fooled. So that's what happened. So anyway, that is that is how we go into this, knowing um, that that happened last season. So the few things that I have to say are the same are the F-boys, once they are ejected. They go to Limbro again, which is like, it looks like a, I don't know, an outdoor sort of prison <laughs> where, where they have to sleep in the, in the, in nature. Um, and they just have to work out with like coconuts. Uh, the nice guys get to go to supposedly uh, something called the nice guy grotto, which is another like fancy hotel, um, sort of a villa. And, um, there are ridiculous games, of course, that are supposed to reveal various things about people. Um, it's just very funny because when you have Nikki Glazer, who is a comedian, being the host, she completely, you know, she writes a lot of her material. She very much acknowledges that this is ridiculous, a ridiculous show. But she's also has shown a little bit um, enough empathy with the women um, who have been fooled or who are hurt, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, <laughs> It's kind of interesting. So what I can just tease is there may be a familiar face from last year. So if you watch season one, you know, and enjoyed it, definitely watch season two. Um, (laughs) And there are maybe a couple other like twists this season. So I have actually watched the whole season. So I will not reveal anything else uh, beyond this. So maybe I will talk about it again once it's all aired. Maybe I won't. (laughs) But Yeah. Okay. So... From a go Asian angle, is there any promise there? When you say promise, I cannot reveal their status as an F boy or a nice guy. So what I can tell you is what looks to be well, there's definitely one Asian guy. Well, I mean, because last season the Asian guy, the one Asian guy got outed as an F boy right away and he got was, sent he to had, um, he had no F-boy game jail. He, he was he was the inaugural Limbro resident. Um, and that also meant that we saw him the most because they went to Limbro every single episode and hung out with him. His name was Peter, Peter Park, not Parker, Peter Park. Um, so I cannot reveal too much and say too much. I will just say there's definitely one Asian guy and I think there's another Asian guy. Um, I can't remember who that other guy's name is. Oh, no. You know how it happens sometimes. Some people fade into the background. Um, so I cannot reveal one way or another how they perform, anything about that. And um, I mean, at this point, it's season two. If you enjoyed the first season, then you're definitely going to probably going to like this season, right? Because it's like, yeah, it, does it have that ver- season two thing where everyone is bigger? Like everyone does things like more bigger? Or is um, it? I actually don't know about that. I Here's the thing. Personally, I enjoy season one more, but maybe it was because everything was surprising. And mm. I was just like, oh my God, this is so irreverent. This is so smart, like how they're doing this. And now we all kind of know the rules. So they had to throw in a twist or two in order to make you a bit more engaged. So is that successful? It's it's good <laughs> enough. Um, but I, I definitely was, I feel like, a little bit slogging through it. Um, the twist helped for sure to mm. keep me a little bit engaged. But um, yeah, like, will I watch three, four, and five? I don't know. <laughs> well, um, sounds That's like me. fun for people who <laughs> like that stuff. <laughs> yeah, all right. So what's popping with you, Marvin? All right. Speaking of engaging. Um, so <laughs> uh, I've been, I haven't really been broadcasting this on social media or anything. So what's better place than on my podcast? But um, I got engaged a couple weeks ago. Um, 
kind of just you know keeping low key just because we're we're kind of private people. But um, because of that, I've been consuming a lot more, I guess, wedding content. Um, I think personally, we're probably going to do something a little smaller. But uh, for whatever reason, uh, we started watching. Um, and this is why it's a, it's a slow pop culture week for me. I didn't really do much this weekend. Um, it was the Nordstrom anniversary sale. So I did, you know, my boyfriend slash fiance duties and accompanied my partner as she went to shop, you know, the biggest sale of the year for, for people who love <laughs> Nordstrom stuff. But we started watching um, a couple episodes of Disney fairy tale weddings, which is <laughs> wild because it's like obviously the opposite of what we actually want to do. But basically, um, Disney fairy tale weddings is a series um, currently streaming on Disney Plus, where basically they follow two couples per episode as they plan a wedding slash proposal slash vow renewal at the Disney park. So pretty much it's a you know half hour commercial for special events at Disney parks. Um, but man, in true Disney fashion, everything is just very, very extra. How many, how many episodes did you watch and did you have a favorite? Uh, I watched two so far. Uh, and, you know, the first one actually had a go Asian moment. One of the couples, um, the groom was a Chinese guy from New York currently living in Chicago. And he wanted to have a wedding, a Disney wedding that also celebrated his roots. So um, they decided to hold their ceremony at the Epcot Chinese mm-hmm. Pavilion, which uh, for those of you don't. Which, for those of you who haven't been to the Epcot Park in Orlando, uh, Disney World, uh, it's basically one of the main attractions is these different, I guess, areas and lands where they model after um, different cultures of the world. And one of them (laughs) is China, which includes like a replica of like the Temple of Heaven and I think the Forbidden City. Uh, So um, they decided to have their wedding there. Um, Of course, they're not going to shut down the parks for you. So all of these events take place after the park closes, um, oftentimes after midnight. So they're all all night weddings where they do um, a ceremony and then they do a reception afterwards. And man, I, I do not envy having to do a whole ass wedding after midnight. Uh, but yeah, so uh, when I say extra, I mean, they had a lion dancer come down the aisle. Uh, after the ceremony, they had a Chinese acrobatics performance. It was actually a little much and not exactly a traditional wedding. Right. I mean, it was right. definitely Chinese culture themed, but not really close to a traditional Chinese wedding, I gotta say. Uh, but yeah. Not exactly great research because I can imagine these weddings costing a bajillion dollars. And I mean, the entire time I was watching this, I was thinking, man, the only reason you guys are even having these weddings is because the producers probably help you pay for it in return for like being a yes. part of yes. the show. For sure. Because otherwise, you have to be the couple who decides not to feed your guests so that way you can get Minnie and Mickey as um to visit you for your wedding. I heard about that. <laughs> Honestly, as long as they offer you to have food that you can buy, I think I'm okay with that <laughs> because it is their big day. I'm very fine with people having the day that like they want it. Yeah. Um, as long as they're upfront, you know. And I get it. Doing. Like people who love Disney really, really love Disney. Yeah. Like for some people, it's, yeah. like a, it's a personality, right? Yeah. And, and I'm assuming also that they allowed kids at this wedding because if they didn't, that's a wasted opportunity. <laughs> Um, I felt bad for these kids because, again, these weddings were happening at past midnight. Yeah. These parents are bringing like their children to this wedding. I'm like, you, you just ruin their sleep schedule for the rest of the year, pretty much. So, so <laughs> I don't feel bad for the kids. I feel bad for the parents afterwards because that's really gonna like they'll bounce back, you know. But like for the next couple days, it'll probably be bad. But um, yeah. It's probably worth it for some. I don't know. Uh, I've never, I've always wanted someone to be very demanding for their wedding for me to decide whether or not I want to do it. But like, I've only been to one destination wedding and it was my twin brothers. So clearly Mm. I was going to go. And I ended up like having a really good deal. He paid for my hotel. Um, I actually even got some work done. I interviewed some people because it was in Hawaii. (laughs) So for work. Um, And I, you know, uh, my dad also fell off a cliff. Um, That was bad. Oh, no. (laughs) It was a very short cliff, but he still still got hurt. Um, It was at the (laughs) way. 
<laughs> it was a big drama. But anyway, just to say that I, I kind of want to be invited to that big destination wedding. Um, oh, yeah. If someone I yeah. know is having a Disney wedding and I'm invited, mm-hmm. I would go. Yeah. I just because never want to plan one. <laughs> right. I wouldn't want to handle that myself. Um, I also personally, like, if I ever get married, because, like, it's not looking like it's happening anytime soon. But if I ever do, I'm probably not going to have a wedding because I don't I only like to attend weddings. I don't want to have to deal with that. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll have a reception, which totally is my jam. You know, it's basically a party with the food and you can do whatever you want. So, um but yeah. if you are Asian, you have the reception also so you can get the money. <laughs> I mean, that's so. really the only reason to hold a reception. right? I, mean, I feel like these days, especially post-pandemic, I, I don't know. If, I, I feel like weddings are coming back because people are who have put off their weddings for the last years are getting married. Most of my friends, though, just ended up doing civil ceremonies during the pandemic and just got it over with. Yeah. Yeah. My brother, uh, the, the Hawaii wedding was um, immediate family only. But then we had the reception back in Houston, Texas, so that way he could get the money from the rest of the community. <laughs> so smart makes sense. I mean, it's how you you know. Um, I don't know how this is with other like ethnic enclaves, but the Asian community, especially within close and extended families, is just it's basically just a constant keeping of balances, right? Yeah. I give you hundred bucks for your graduation. You give me through two hundred dollars for my wedding. I give you three hundred dollars for <laughs> your birthday. And you just, or I give your kids three hundred dollars for their birthday, and it's just like, you know, families keeping tabs on each other to make sure no one ever owes anyone anything. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Um. Or just don't go to those things because you know you're gonna have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. Uh. At some point, I will check out this Disney. Um, weddings thing but I think if you are also looking for extra content which is something that Jess recommended was on Netflix is The Big Day and that is Indian weddings <laughs> again <laughs> nothing you will ever do probably because they're over the top especially on this show um, but it might be fun maybe there's a catharsis in watching it and knowing that you don't have to do it so uh, I mean they look fun and you know part of yeah. watching the show is seeing Oh, yeah. Like, I'm glad these people are getting their dream weddings. I just can't imagine how much this will actually cost me. <sighs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's um, Disney Fairytale Weddings. There's like two seasons of it on Disney Plus, plus a couple specials. There's like a whole like, two hour special, which I think was the original. It's just like any of those like kind of comfort watch documentary series, like similar to your How to Build a Sex Room from last week. <laughs> it's yes. just something you put on, watch people get their dream X and Y and then, you know, <laughs> enjoy some Disney themed um branded content, I guess. Oh my god. Can't wait for how to build a Disney sex room. Oh God. <laughs> Who's the horn I mean, it's a shame that Jess is not here to answer this question, but who is yes. the horniest Disney character? Oh my God. Uh is Hercules horny? Mm, um, he's too pure. Meg is kind of horny, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, Meg yeah. Could be horny. Yeah. Oh, all the villains are probably horny because they're not like they're not boring. <laughs> right. Yeah. Gaston's definitely a horny boy. Oh yeah, Maleficent. You gotta tell me. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we know she's she's. I mean, she's also literally horny. She has horns on her head. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> it's no big secret that Disney animators are just horny in general. They're slipping their sex jokes in every like children's cartoon. <laughs> yep. 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 So right. the characters themselves, yeah, I could see the villains definitely being it. I, I, I will have to give this further thought. <laughs> I know. I was like, hmm. We'll, we'll pose it to Jess when she comes back. <laughs> right. Um, but on that note, before Disney decides to uh, revoke all of our access to all of their content ever again, uh, we'll be back. We're going to take a quick break. We're coming back. We're, t- oh, we're also talking about something Disney when we come back. Um, not as horny, though, unfortunately. Uh, when we come back, we're talking all about Miss Marvel. Stick around. Podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like a podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in Baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. 
Whether you're Kim Ang's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone, especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Uh, this week we're talking about Miss Marvel, the latest MCU Disney Plus series. Um, this time it is a teen, um, would you call this a young adult series? I think it could be considered a teen or YA comedy. Um, yeah, yeah. Ms. Marvel follows the adventures of Kamala Khan, a teenage um, Pakistani-American living in Jersey City, who is a huge Avengers geek. She loves superheroes, especially Captain Marvel. And one day she receives a pair of bangles from her grandmother, which unlocks secret powers within her, which takes her on a journey to discover her family's history, as well as begin her own journey as a superhero. Uh, Ms. Marvel stars Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan. And this project is probably one of Marvel's most diverse projects involving people of Desi um, and Muslim descent in the writer's room, in the director's chair, in front and behind the camera. And you can tell that there's been a lot of care and love put into the series um, to represent a culture that we're not maybe used to seeing on screen as superheroes. Um, so, yeah, Han, what did you think of Ms. Marvel? So, yeah, I kind of talked about this as my what's popping a couple weeks ago um, and was really high on it. And I have to say, I think it continued to be just as good as an, an enjoyable as I originally found it to be. I think when it's come to the last few like Star Wars and Marvel series, I've been kind of having to make myself watch them. <laughs> and this was the opposite. Um I'm so busy watching TV all the time that, you know, yes, I can save up episodes, but it was never a chore. It was always so just fun and pleasant and relaxing to watch something that was, I think, very well put together. Um, a lot of props to the creator, uh, Bisha K. Ali, who made this and, of course, created on like assembling this team um, behind the scenes of not only just the writers and directors, but it is, I, I feel like from the very beginning, the casting, most of the casting is great and we can talk about everyone else, but I do have to say the star, Aman Vellani, just is so charming and so funny and so alive and dynamic and just, oh my God, she is totally Kamala Khan. And I I fell in love with her. I thought that they really, without her, I don't know if it would have played as well, but you were immediately just like her. You want her to be your friend or the person you are hanging out with. She's so cool and fun. Um, so that, I think also it is has a very good visual language that um, is very colorful and exciting and clever and dynamic. So I was even watching the very end and the way they edit things together has, you know, even in the action scene, some of the action scenes have comedic beats and it just keeps things very alive on the screen, um, not just in the storytelling. So um we can go deeper into it, but yeah, that's my initial list. Like, I kind of love a lot about it. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've seen or we've watched an MCU thing that had this much, I guess, joyous energy, mm -hmm. right? I think the last time was probably the first time they introduced MCU Peter Parker um, because, you know, Spider-Man in the MCU are teen comedies. And there's just something about the youthful energy that Iman brings as Kamala, um, coupled with the fact that this is like not just a teen comedy, but a teen children of immigrant 
family mm-hmm. comedy, which is something that you know we're both familiar with because you know we both watch a lot of Asian American content, and ninety nine percent of all Asian American stories is about children of immigrant relationship with their parents, you know. Um, that kind of struggle, which is something that while Peter Parker is definitely relatable as like a young dork, he doesn't know what it's like to grow up as a child of someone who came from another country because of displacement. Yeah, I, I think this was so uh, I don't know how to, to say everything so culturally specific in such a natural and seamless way and also funny way that I I I was kind of in awe of how well everything was just put together and and they do address issues that I think are very important and um and are the inequities um without it being preachy which is i hate to say stuff like that because i think everything needs to be said but i think again they seamlessly mixed it in with the comedy and talked about things in such a matter of fact way that it didn't lessen the fun and the action and i think that was uh tonally they really did a very good job about that yeah um and i i totally agree with you that it's been a while since i've like wanted to watch and finish an mcu series right like moon knight i kind of bounced off of it for a while um not because i didn't want to finish it's just i missed a week and i just took a while for me to get back to it confession Uh, i haven't finished it (laughs) right it's like you bounce off of it and you kind of don't feel like you the very last when i get back to it right yeah yeah either that or i forgot the finale either way is not a good (laughs) good not a good look for a moon night um and yeah and talking about also culturally specific uh background i mean um team moon knight didn't have it they i think had one creator producer whatever it was it didn't it just didn't have the 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 overall flavor of having everything just feel authentically right i mean yeah I mean, we had Ethan Hawke speaking terrible Mandarin. We oh, had boy. All this, like, you know, like the introduction of the Egyptian mythology, but not in the best way. We didn't talk about Moon Knight on this show, probably because, like, we just didn't, we didn't love we could, it. We didn't want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, Miss Marvel definitely, you can tell that the people in the room are writing about either their own experiences or experiences of people close to them. Like they're, they're people who have understand the nuances of like this culture without having to explain everything. Right. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a good chunk of viewers who are learning a partition through this show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, and that's I, fine because I think they, they did a good job. Ex- I mean, I feel like they could have explained it a little bit more. <laughs> well, I do have to say a friend of mine who is in the entertainment geekosphere journalism world definitely tweeted out that between RRR and this show he learned way more about partition and British imperialist uh, (laughs) occupation of India than he ever knew and learned in school so I was just like if that's what it takes and that's why pop culture media is so important is you yeah you're not i also remember seeing this in a doctor who episode so again if if that's what it takes for people to actually wake up um to see you know tulsa massacre in Watchmen, um all that type of stuff it's kind of annoying it sometimes that that has to happen but also i like that they didn't over explain it i think like you said i think um her her brother's amir says uh Every Pakistani family has a partition history. And it's true. So anyone you will see in America, you know, will definitely have a partition story. But, you know, and I just yeah. think it's it's fascinating to me that um that people are now just talking about it, and I'm kinda happy about that. Like I I hope people interrogate that more. Yeah. I mean it's the same way like every Chinese family has a story about the Civil War and every Vietnamese family has a story about, mm-hmm. you know, escaping the country right <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> yep communism ha- every every vietnamese family has issues about communism yeah. but um so what i would like to say since i spoke about amir is i love her family and this is unique for i have to say superhero kids and teens is to have and a- also immigrant family stories because usually the parents are monsters in those stories yeah so that's <laughs> you're right there's two things that they kind of upended one her parents are not 
super strict monsters. There's a little hint that they might be, and that turns out they're not. And uh, they're just, they are just very well-meaning, warm, and also very funny parents. But the other thing is usually when it comes to a lot of kids' media, especially kids' media in the adventure sort of realm, is usually they're orphans or half orphans. <laughs> and this one is a full nuclear family. Mother, father, brother. Brother is getting married, so just even expanding the family. And you get to meet her grandmother. You also meet some uh, a great-grandmother and a great-grandfather. So you actually meet a lot of people in her family, and they're all very loving and fun. And there's just really cool stuff going on that I was so happy because their support is actually very much part of the reason why I think she's a successful superhero. Um, so uh, it, it it's it's... And there is a lot of love there that is shown. And it's not a, you don't understand me or, you know, killing off Uncle Ben or Aunt May, you know, to give them a reason to, you know, be angry about something. Um, so, yeah, I, I very yeah. much appreciated that. Yeah, that's interesting if you think about it, because Kamala Khan is probably, um, I guess, not the first superhero to grow up idolizing other superheroes because Peter Parker was probably also similar but yeah, she is, uh, you know, of the new generation of heroes that I'm sure the MCU is setting up for like the next phase or so if it's, you know, if it's continuity. I love that her whole entire impetus for being a superhero is because she loves Captain Marvel. Right? Yeah, she, she loves Captain Marvel and the Avengers so much. She has like a vlog and she loves sloths and she's also an artist. And <laughs> yeah, so she is a full on stan for Captain Marvel. Uh all her her walls are plastered with the yeah posters, and you know eventually learn that she has like a um, larger than life I guess heritage right like she's she's descended from people from like a different plane of existence or a different dimension with different powers so like you know she is it's not technically a chosen one but she is special quote unquote um, but at the same time her wanting to be heroic and be a good person is not because she lost somebody or has trauma mm -hmm. it's just because she was raised to be a good person. Yeah, she is at heart a good person. She was raised to be a good person. And she does have um, tweaks <laughs> of conscience. Um, she feels bad at, about things. Uh, so she's just, I don't know, just a lovable character. Yeah. Um, I want to focus in on like the the teen comedy aspect, of, like the high school okay. comedy aspect of it. Because All right. um, I think this show worked really well as like a teen show right you have like the first like the first two episodes before we even get to like the more cosmic stuff is about like inner school inner community dynamics between like the muslim slash pakistani slash high school community like here here are all the clicks here are the struggles of you know super smart nerds but like teen nerds in like high school uh, what did you think about ms marvel as like a teen comedy i mean you know i gotta love a main character who is not cool because <laughs> at school, she is so not cool. Uh, they have a whole sort of opening sequence where she's either being ignored or not seen. Uh, someone like throws a ball and it hits her head. She's not coordinated. <laughs> she's so she's not even a jock. She's not she has kind of like nothing really going for her there, except for that she's kind of like an awesome personality and uh, is a fan of things. And her best friend is the, you know, smart, nerdy dude who like does gadgets so of course he's useful to have around um, he's pretty much young tony stark right he's like yeah somehow yeah. has like access to genetic analysis machines <laughs> he makes it to some stanford summer program i mean you know you're very useful to have around you you're allowed um so you token white guy are allowed and um her you know her fr other friend uh nakia uh is the she's the one who is like holding it down for the young, you know, Pakistani or <laughs> Muslims. And so she's like, uh, she's political. She's very outspoken and she does all that. But, you know, uh, Kamala is not. And so I like seeing all of these different energies with within the friend group. Um, and we do start to meet other teens. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you can't have a teen high school story without like, the love interest, right? Yeah. Like, so there's this a dorky girl needs to have hot guys to choose from. Yeah, and so and then there's also like the popular um, influencer girl who's a redhead. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, the hot guys. So let's talk about the hot guys. And you can t- tell me, you know, because I know it's a teen show, but who are you team? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's two, I guess, there's two people set up as potential love interest, right? You have... Uh, unless... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you have... Um, you have Kamran, who was played by um, Risha, and you have Kareem, who was played by Erebus Knight, who I did not realize was MK from Into the Badlands. Mm, um, yeah. Another great show with like a great diverse cast. Uh, but um, I don't know. I, to be honest, they, they're both kind of shady. So I'm like, Kamran, so, you can do better than both of these boys. I love how you don't even mention her best friend Bruno because he totally has a crush on her. Oh yeah, but he's not hot though. Is he right. hot? <laughs> I thought we were talking about hot boys here. Okay, I was talking about just actual love interests or or possible love interests. And so I do I here's the thing. It's very hard to say if any of these people are hot because they're they're playing teens even though they might not be teens. So I'm not going to say they're hot, but who do I ship? Um I have to say I do ship uh Kareem. <laughs> The bad boy. You want the, the bad boy? Of course, of course, the bad boy who has the long floppy hair. Um, it's like, yeah, I, it's like I ship him. Even maybe not for long term, but just for her to have fun, <laughs> get a little bit experience. I have a first kiss, maybe not with Kamran. Kamran has a little bit too much, you know, angst right now. He needs to get over stuff. Mm. Um, so you know, it's it's. I here here's the thing. I would love a sequel series to this. I think six episodes was perfect, but as an amuse-bouche, I know she's going to be in the Marvels. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't mind more teen uh, adventures with her, like getting to know her powers and like figuring it out and having having her little team, you know, behind her. Uh, I think it would be fun. I, I like, you know, there's no secret that I, I like YA shows and this one really worked for me. See, that's the sign of a good MCU series is coming out of it wishing there was another season, right? Yeah. I don't think we've ever felt that way ever for any other show. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Loki is going to give us another season and it was written as such, right? To keep it open-ended enough. But I didn't need another season of Loki, frankly. Um, I was fine with it ending. Well, because we know we're going to get more Loki. Elsewhere. Elsewhere. I think, I think, yeah, I think. Again, like Kamala is such a fun character. You just want to see more of her. And like the show itself, I think it was a lot of fun even when it became an MCU show again. Okay, so (laughs) we won't spoil anything, but as we have many times talked about with MCU movies and shows, it gets very big and MCU-y action-wise in the third act, or at least in this case, the finale. Uh, So I didn't have quite as much of an issue that you did with it. And I have my reasons for that. Um, but since I don't want to spoil the events of the finale, then right. I'm not going to really, I'm not really going to talk about why, but I mean, maybe you can watch it um, and decide for yourself. If you think it follows <laughs> that MCU kind of like just going so big, it's ridiculous sort of situation. I mean, for me, it's more, <laughs> I wish the powers looked cooler. <laughs> oh, so, so it's a visual um, production. Yeah, there's something thing. about the way that so Kamala Khan's powers is that she is able to create, I guess, like these crystal-like projections out of her body, and that's how she. Because classic Miss um, Marvel powers is she's able to enlarge parts of her body, um, so like, she can make her arm really big or she can make her legs really big. And visually, it's really cool. They they do it through like crystals to kind of distort light. So in practice, it looks like she is enlarging her body parts. Um, it's just the way that like when she's fighting and all these crystals come out, it looks like like a PS2, like a PlayStation <laughs> 2 game that's been like corrupted. It's just the polygons look, look kind of bad, in my opinion. And I just, I just couldn't get past that. Um, the fights were cool. And it wasn't like, I do agree that it wasn't as... It was somewhat grounded. Yeah, as, it was somewhat grounded. Yeah. It wasn't like a world ending thing that we see usually in like, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't end up with like a flying Dragon Ball fight like we had in... <laughs> In um in WandaVision. Yeah. Um and we didn't end up I mean we I guess we kinda ended up with um um a you know a standoff against like an opposing force like we had at Hawkeye. But I actually mm-hmm. like this one better. I like mm-hmm. the um um no it's not a spoiler, but the home alone 
ending fight scene that we had. I thought that was really fun. Yeah. When we when I was talking about like wanting another season because her team is behind her, what I mean are these teens that have become her friends and we already know that Bruno, you know, is the the smart guy, gadget guy. But we Bruno. (laughs) But we uh but we also find how um, innovative and scrappy, I guess the rest of the team are. And there is something about that that I very much enjoyed because I think a lot of teen shows, it works if sometimes if the parents are around, but when it comes down to it, you know, we are following the teen. So you kind of want to hope that they are not running to an adult you know, every <laughs> single time. And I also, I still got to say, like, love the brother. Brother's very funny. Yeah. Um, Played by Segar Das, who is, I think he's a comedian. He that used would, to have a really good yeah. podcast called The Bollywood Boys. Yeah. Where they would like watch and rate Bollywood movies. That would make sense. And th- here's the thing. He's he's not like cracking jokes all the time, but he does crack some jokes. And I think they are appropriate to your older brother, who is sort of a goofball. Um, he's also yeah. very cute. Oh, that um, beard. How would yeah, you think he, about the beard? He's very cute. Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't normally like beards. This one's pretty good though uh so like a lot of facial hair is not usually my thing but it looks good on him i i have to admit and um it's a very, very nice well groomed beard. Yeah, very, very well groomed beard you know like is he is he uh what's his name from rrr maybe not it's <laughs> like uh but he's a particular you know uh beast anyway so um yeah i really enjoyed i i th- here's the thing the relationships and the other casting is also what worked for me. Um, I don't think anyone felt off. And that happens a lot for me when it comes to these shows. Where, But I feel like they took a lot of people who are not the biggest names in the business and made them purely embody their characters. Um, where to the point where I'm like, I'm not sure if I know their actor name, <laughs> you know, like, but I know them as so-and-so. So, um, yeah, 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 definitely. Performances were really strong and the show had a lot of style too. Like every mm-hmm. single episode had different, you know, um, title cards, different ending cards, different, um, and the episodes that took place in Karachi, you know, the title card was in um, Urdu and it definitely didn't feel as much like a cookie cutter like yeah. MCU thing that the yeah, honestly the, like the main line has kind of become in a yeah. way right the yeah the very first episode you see some of this visual fun where um she is texting with her friend Bruno but instead of seeing the overlay of the text screen or the her screen itself to read the text they actually incorporate the text within the scenery. So the neon sign over a store will suddenly be the text that you're reading. <laughs> yeah. And they do this several times and it's so clever. Um, and so I think, yeah, when you're talking about it's not cookie cutter, they have definitely stamped it with a, a tone and a feeling and a playfulness. And I think a lot of MCU shows and movies focus on we're just going to be the biggest blowout you know action thing ever without thinking about personality and yeah um, again yeah. the energy that the show is bringing is just so much higher than a lot of the other mcu shows that we've seen and yeah like, i mean i i don't want to take away like wandavision definitely had a point of view for each episode at the beginning for sure and then loki has his own kind of weird anachronistic you know style when you're in that thing but it doesn't have the same energy and i do agree yeah i think this brings a different energy with the visuals that it brings up yeah and also just i don't know i think i mean okay you can make the argument that like superman's a story about an, a, ref, a refugee right sure but <laughs> is this i'm trying to think is this the first time we've seen like a actual like immigrant story within the mcu i think so because let's see I mean, okay, so we have Shang-Chi, but that didn't, that was that, more like okay. a Chinese culture inspired adventure, but I don't know if it invoked the same feelings, right? That was, yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. You're right. We did see, you know, culture in America with his, his family. We did see, or at least, well, her family. And then we did see him in, back in the homeland with, I guess, his dad. But there was no real discussion about you know, or or acknowledgement, let's say, between the two worlds as far as like his place in either either of them. It was just Yeah. It was just kind of like these are sets 
that we are just moving him from one to another. But there was no sense of identity, really, when it came to moving from one to another. And I think that's kind right. of a big deal. I think that's the thing. Like, Shang-Chi wasn't a story about a community. Whereas, mm-hmm. I feel oh like my Ms. God, Marvel you're right. Has yes. like those elements. It's a story about family, community, and like kind of the sacrifices you make when you, the sacrifices you have to make, especially as like Pakistani, especially as Muslim Americans in America. And you know, there there was that whole storyline with the Department of Damage Control, which have have become like the you know the G-men who are like anti special abilities, who you know are who are like an antagonistic force in this series. And like them storming into mosque and saying this is for your own protection, like it's all very on the nose, right? It's not very subtle the way they use um, the the feds in this show, um, but I think that's you know on purpose because this is like this is a community that has lived under constant suspicion since um, two thousand. Yeah, right? they literally have a story, uh, a, a quote. I believe it's in the finale where they're like. Oh, we came because we're running away from blah blah blah, and they're like, "Why did you come to a mosque?" Because they're like, "Because it's a sanctuary. Religious places are sanctuaries." They're like, "Not in America," <laughs> and so I was like, "Yep, call it out." But I do love that we get so many scenes in the mosque. I think for one, that will like it's sort of pulling back the curtain for some people, um, and then also humanizing. Like you get to actually know a few people at, uh, in the mosque, and they're like fun, and like they end up you know, warming up, they become characters later on. So when you talk about the community, not only do we get to meet and know a little bit, at least uh, some of the players in the mosque and her life, you know, that is like where she and Nakia go. Um, But you also get to know like her neighborhood, like what, uh, Euro guy. (laughs) And it's just kind of like, there's a lot of community that really, really helped. And I think when we were talking about grounding, um, in the final episode, it's not grounding in a way that's kind of boring, but it's grounding in a very uplifting way, I think. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, I I, so much am a fan of this sort of immigrant story. Yeah. And I'm just glad that it, you know, I, I haven't been up on the discourse. I'm sure there's tons of people who hate Ms. Marvel because of certain shitty reasons. Yeah, I am now that I have seen it, I'm going out there and reading all of the writers who know <laughs> know all the nuances that I am missing, even the few things I caught I thought were hilarious. Uh there's like two baseball caps that you see that are <laughs> like Oh yeah. Yeah, in, in the finale I, that gave me a laugh. Uh there are many little I don't know, touches that gave me a laugh um that uh I'm sure probably make people who understand the culture better like ball out laughing so yeah. i'm i'm excited to read more yeah and like one last um note i wanted to make is you know sometimes a lot of times actually especially in the mcu disney plus shows that we've seen once they start connecting the individual local stories to like the greater mcu right either through like cosmic forces or connected bad guys you start losing the the tightness that made the first few episodes really good i mean we saw that happen with wandavision right and i definitely feel like this show did a really good job integrating its more cosmic storyline with the themes of the show because even in like the overarching plot about interdimensional travel the central theme is about displacement and going home and the idea of like what is what is home now that we haven't been there for a long time. And I thought that was really, really well done. I, I was super impressed that they were able to weave that together because I, f- I feel like it's really easy once you get into that bigger picture um, layer of MCU shows to really lose the thread. Yeah, it's a good point um, there because I also, once I got into it, I noticed that sort of echoing of the theme that was part of the cosmic, you know, uh, (laughs) craziness of Marvel that we have now. Um, And it was very well, intricately woven. Um, and, And I think that makes it stronger. Because, you know, at this point, we are so used to having like these, oh, another dimension. Okay, fine. Sure. I accept it. But like to have it actually make uh, sort of echo what's going on in her story, what a lot of Americans are going through. It's it, it just makes it that much stronger because, you know, you're emphasizing it in a way that maybe people didn't think about. Yeah. All right. So final verdict is 
Ms. Marvel, good pop. I have to say this one is a, yes, it's good pop. It's great pop. I unreservedly recommend this show. I, that's why I want more. Yeah, definitely. Um, of the MCU TV series thus far, it's the one that I've had the most fun watching. Um, I think Ms. Marvel definitely ranks above WandaVision for me at this point, which was my number one mm-hmm. um, thus far, um, give or take um, the last episode. It, it's the landing. You got to stick the <laughs> landing. <laughs> and yeah, while I do have some some thoughts about the big final fight of the series, um, I do think that it did stick the landing and it did leave you wanting more. Um, there is, is a after credits tease uh, at the end that you know links this show to the upcoming Marvel's movie, um, which I'm glad that we're going to see Iman Vanani on the big screen. Um, she deserves her star role. And I think um, pairing her up as like, you know, every Marvel hero now needs a teenage sidekick, right? Doctor Strange had America, America Chavez. Um, and now Brie Larson, Captain Marvel has Ms. Marvel. And I can't wait to see their dynamic on screen. <laughs> Do you think they're going to somehow get America to be in Marvel somewhere? Um, bring all the teens together? I don't Could know. be. I want to see a teen, um, not even a team up. I just want to see them all like, go on summer vacation together. <laughs> oh, Peter wait. Parker, a America cruise. Chavez. <laughs> yeah, a, either like a, um, a European tour or something like that, or a global tour. Oh, yeah, a Euro trip with Euro the trip. Marvel teens. <laughs> Go to Amsterdam. Amazing. <laughs> well, with that, that'll do it for our discussion of Ms. Marvel, um, which is streaming now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? I am on Twitter at Hanonymous. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff they could just read the books with us right yes they could do that but you could also just send us money no ryan that's not how passion podcast projects work why in the hell are we even doing this uh i'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode so tune in each week to quarantine comics that's qtdcomics.com set phasers to fun.